Hi, everybody. I'm Mackenzie. Welcome to Unfiltered Legends. In each episode, John the Legend Boker talks to pool and spa people, professionals, service techs, pool owners about their experiences. The ups, the downs, the funny, and the sad. Well, actually, they filter out the sad. We're here to entertain, but you might learn a few things along the way. In today's episode, we meet Eric Herman from Water Shapes Magazine, a writer, editor, poet, and musician. He was too young to be hippie, missed out on the love. He turned into a teen in the late 70s. It's summer of the backyard. Enjoy. Okay, well, if you, you might hear some thumping, and there's been some uh, cursing in Spanish. And I, I went out there, but I don't know Spanish for I've got to do a podcast. Legend! Today, we travel the world, meet new friends, and discover that sometimes you can go home again. Is this a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? It's just another episode of Unfiltered Legends. He picked up a hitchhiker after Vietnam, stole all his money, and left. Y'all don't bungee cord y'all's trash cans? First of all, we don't y'all's nothing. (laughs) That is a rough start. Just got more awkward. (laughs) I used to work for Aqua uh, there in Madison, Wisconsin. I would only go to meetings there in the summer. (laughs) But, like, the level of suffering that they would go through in the winter... You guys are so tough to survive in these conditions. Like, no, just suffer. <laughs> it sucks. So everybody's got a thing. Here, we get 118, you guys get below zero. Yeah. We, we adapt. That's why I make sure I'm extra fluffy for the wintertime. I just pack that, those pounds on, get that, those extra layers in. Uh, I could see where you'd want to go in that direction. You know, that makes sense. Uh, don't, don't enable him. <laughs> oh, now... Stop right there. I, I am a famous enabler. That's all I do for a living is enable others. I get them talking. That's what I really do for a living. Sure. I get other people talking. So it's always weird to be on the other end of the interviewing thing. Well, now you can see how the professionals do it. So get ready. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. I need, to, I, need, I need that perspective. Definitely. My name is Eric Herman. I am editor of Water Shapes Magazine. It's a fully online digital resource for the pool spa, construction, design, engineering side of the business. I've been in the industry since uh, mostly, a little bit off and on, since 1989. I started out as an associate editor with Pool and Spa News way, way back then, 31 years ago. I left the industry for a while and, and was hired to be a Water Shapes magazine's editor when it started, where I was when it was a print magazine, and I was editor of that for 11 years. Then I moved on to Aqua magazine. There was, that's a whole other story, but I was with them for eight and a half years uh, as the senior editor. And now, over the last year and a half, I have been back in my old job as editor of Water Shapes, which is, like I mentioned before, a, a purely digital publication. So that's who I am and what I do. I've been a trade journalist in the pool and spa industry for a long, long, long time. Uh, could you, got, you know what, somebody just did on my doorbell. Could, 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 where, this is edited. Give me like 30 seconds. And we're on a roll too, hold on. No. This part is not edited.
I, I did, unfortunately, uh, lose my voice at youth baseball this weekend. Uh, so we're, we're doing the best we can for now. So we've all got issues. We yeah. all have issues. And one of the names that goes along with your name through your career is Jim McCloskey. Oh, yeah. Can you, can you tell me who Jim McCloskey is? Sure. Jim hired me at Coon Spa News. He was the editor of Coon Spa News when, and saw something in this 29-year-old kid and decided to bring me in to it. And uh, he was the publisher of Water Shapes magazine. You can't talk about Water Shapes. He made up the word Water Shapes. I was in on the discussion, but he came up with the term. Jim was the publisher of Water Shapes from the beginning up until last year when he retired. He is one of the true unsung heroes of the industry. He's a brilliant guy, publisher, writer, editor, a true mentor of mine. I consider Jim a big brother. I love the guy. We're like family. Jim, he had a vision for the industry that what we were dealing with was something beyond just pools and spas, that we really should be connected to the greater landscape, outdoor design, outdoor entertainment, um, experiential side of, of it was a broader industry concept. And that's what Water Shapes started out as, and that's what it is to this day. It's uh, It has its heart and soul in uh, pools and spas, but it goes into a much broader territory. And Jim was really the mastermind behind that. I was his cohort through all of it. Uh, I, I really built the editorial content of Water Shapes, working hand in hand with him. We went on an adventure together for a long, long time. We also did uh, uh, some things outside of uh, the industry. We did a antique restoration refinishing magazine for several years together and uh that's a whole other story but so yeah jim mccloskey uh very quietly went about his business for many years changed the industry it sounds like a common thread kind of a passion you have for the aesthetic and obviously you work in a in a written form but you're really describing a lot of visuals in this oh there's no doubt about it it's uh we've always looked at it as uh water shaping as a artistic medium you know it's an architectural medium and so yes the the aesthetic side of it is i think of aesthetics are part of the experiential side of it and that's really what drives the existence of the entire industry is that people love being around water it's a very compelling art form to design with water and to learn how water behaves and how, how to make it beautiful and also how to make it something you want to immerse your body in. So the aesthetics of pools, spas, and other types of water shapes, as we call them, is the key to why they're so such an integral part of our lives. And, and I'm just kind of an artsy dude anyway, you know? It's like, I like the artistic side of it. I love the beauty of it. I'm a hopeless romantic, and water has all of that stuff in it, you know? But that said, there's also the yin and the yang. Uh, Water Shapes has also always been a pretty technical uh, publication. We understand, you know, the aesthetics are crucial, but so is like how to build the darn things and design them and engineer them and, and service them. Because water is a wily beast, you know, it's, it's, there's no other material like it. The science of it is on an equal footing, I believe, with the aesthetics.
Yeah, I play uke every day. It's one of my uh, uh, things. I don't really play for other people. I just do it because <laughs> it's fun. This podcast could open up some doors here, so just beware, you know. <laughs> guitar too but you know i've always really always really sucked at guitar and uh i don't know why uh i guess no talent <laughs> mm-hmm. but for some reason ukulele really really got into i got into when we lived in santa cruz there was like a ukulele club and it was all these senior citizens would play at this band shell right by the beach it was like all these grandparents out there rocking the uke and i got really inspired And so I bought a uke, and then it was really great in Washington. I would take our Labradoodle and the uke for walks out in the forest. And people would ask me, what do you do up there? I go looking for Bigfoot. And that was what I would tell people I was doing. And what it amounts to was looking for Bigfoot was just going for a walk with the dog and the uke. Bigfoot never showed up. You know, he might have been a guitar fan, so that's a lesson for you. I was, I was wondering... Is the chlorine shortage giving you heartburn? If so, reach for borates. Borates, like those in Protein Supreme. They help keep water balanced so your sanitizer works better. They work with all sanitizers and they're the perfect complement to salt chlorine pools. Ask your supplier about Protein Supreme or Protein Supreme Plus. Visit ProTeamPoolCare.com to learn more. I think a lot of people in industry, as we talked earlier, know you as the writer with the the guy with the hat (laughs) that every time you see, you see that picture, you know you're getting... You want me to go get the... You want me to go get the... No, I don't. You don't. You don't have to get that. I'm sorry. You don't have to get the hat. Uh, you know, Tom Landry always did his interviews in a hat. We're just saying that. Um, but so we know that you know. You see that picture. You see the name, and you're going to get you know two thousand words, and it's going to be a great article. Were there certain subjects that you were more drawn to, or does the industry provide enough as a writer that you kind of saw? Uh, an article, a great article every time, or was it a struggle sometimes? Well, it it is a struggle sometimes. Uh, you know, the amount of material that I've had to generate uh, over the years is scary. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, there's, you know, you get kind of precipitous about this, but like, I'm still freaked out by the blank page. You know, I've written thousands of articles for lots of subjects. And still, when I faced a blank page, I got up this morning and I was looking at what am I gonna title this article? But the world of water is a protean subject. You know, it's uh, there's so much to it. There's so many different aspects of it, which is why Water Shapes is a lot of fun because we go into a range of stuff from like how good swimming and hot water therapy. We know it's good for us, but you know, science has really uncovered in recent years why and how many different ways it's good for us. You know, you guys are in the chemistry thing. I've cut my teeth in the industry covering chemistry and like plaster issues. (laughs) You know, I did an article last year for 
before I switched over when I was still at Aqua about expansion joints and concrete. I literally got all excited about an article about cracks in concrete. <laughs> Once you kind of scratch the surface and really dive into it, there's almost always going to be something interesting. Uh, so, and water, the app, just how to take care of a pool and spa. You know, it's, I've seen in your podcast, you talked about like the, to take care of a pool or to build a pool. You know, I mean, it's really a, an amalgam of disciplines. And so as a writer, you can go down all of those and find different aspects. I always am working with people that know more about the subject than I do. So it's like being a professional dilettante. Everything kind of blows my mind. But there are subjects. Health and fitness of water is one of them. Water is a resource. Writing about like like the drought. And we do that in Watershapes. We write about the broader world of water. And every once in a while, like some weird subject will get me. Like I did an article, a couple articles a while back on biofilm. Man, I could do a whole hour on biofilm. It's like the most fascinating subject there is, slime. And it's like ubiquitous and with it. See, I'm already getting excited as we talk because I, I mentioned biofilm. And, and so, you know, and it's, it's, there's good reason I'm so fascinated by it, but it's like this whole universe of life that exists around us and we're not even aware of it. It's like Whoville run amok. I love it. That's a great so, Yeah, yeah. And I have cornered events and talked about biofilm like poor Jana Oranger from the National Blasters Council one night in Texas a couple of years ago I like cornered her at a party and I talked to her about biofilm for an hour and she you could tell like she was with me for the first 40 minutes I kind of wore out my welcome on that one but anyway yeah there's a lot of a lot of subjects are really fascinating the whole design of, of bodies of water you know it, it, like all aspects of it maybe you could touch on I mean one of the big things that is really now becoming more and more popular are these natural pools, right? Uh, yeah, actually, natural swimming pools, yeah. They create an ecosystem, which is everything as a chemical guy, you know, we don't want, right? We're, we're trying to kill the green stuff. And in these natural pools, you're trying to create this ecosystem to sanitize and make sure things are, are working better naturally. First of all, it is a completely different universe in terms of how you treat the water. You know, swimming pools and spas or hot tubs, you know, you have a kind of a scorched earth chemical approach to sanitize the water to make sure that it's safe. So it seems counterintuitive that you could do that by with plants and bacteria. But the way to think about a natural swimming pool, I think, is that, you know, ponds and streams, whether they're man-made or natural, have been treated just biologically for ever. So, I mean, once you go down a path like that, you can just go blammo and go off into a whole universe. Enjoy the show. Stay on the know on all Legendary Pools and Spas tutorials, interviews, and articles by following Legendary Pools and Spas on Facebook at Legendary PLS. Have an idea for an episode or want to learn more about a topic? Shoot us a message. Click like and follow Legendary Pools and Spas on Facebook at Legendary PLS. You know, pools in the broader world, that's more common than the way we do it in pools and spas. You know, all of nature does it that way. And many, many man-made bodies of water do it that way. And it leads 
that whole thing leads to some fascinating stuff because it's all kind of based on wetlands effect, chemical reuptake of you know pollutants that plants thrive on. And so it's led to the development of things like floating islands and constructed wetlands and stuff where water purification and hydrology uses those processes on a mass scale. Calling it a natural swimming pool is, you know, an iteration of that. And it's kind of a contradiction in terms to some people's mind. So how much of growing up on the West Coast and dealing with water shortages how much of that is influences what you do today? Well, a lot. Uh, growing up, I'm from Southern California where I've lived most of my life. You know, I grew up in swimming pools and going to the beach. Wasn't exactly a year round thing, but close to it in my entire life. So, you know, the whole affinity for water and pools and the ocean and Colorado River and lakes and stuff has been um, a defining aspect of my entire life. So it's kind of appropriate I fell into this specialty. Um, as far as drought, and you know, Southern California is a desert. The scarcity of water has defined the entire historic development of the, the Southwest United States. California is water. The issues surrounding water are all encompassing and always with you. And when you go through these periods of four or five, six year droughts, you know, and people's lawns start dying and you start worrying about the viability of the water supply, like, are we really water secure? It, it puts it in a perspective that's, that's a big deal. You know, we take our water security for granted in this country and in the modern world. And that's actually historically a relatively new thing. Uh, the, avail the constant availability of potable water and the availability of sewage treatment makes our entire uh, society possible. And so when you live where that supply becomes in question and the reservoirs start turning into mud pits and the snowpack doesn't exist in a dry year, and you think, wow, you know, and, and now they're already cutting back water allocations to farmers. And, that, you know, then the whole agricultural aspect of it is a whole huge thing unto itself. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's it, it is a defining aspect of my life experience, the scarcity of water. I actually was just rewatching Chinatown this week and uh, great movie, a, a film based it based in the 20s and 30s about water scarcity at California. And that story could be retold every decade with the same actor. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> as a young man, mid 70s, Southern California, you enroll uh, Cal State Fullerton. <laughs> yeah. What were your fighting titans? What was your aspiration at that time? You're not a flower child, I don't believe. <laughs> what is a young man in Southern California who wants to be a journalist? What, what was the reason? Okay. Uh, I'm a surfer, stoner, punk from the suburbs. <laughs> Skateboarder. Uh, you know, malcontent. I grew up in, in the late 70s, post hippies, when, uh, you know, not caring about anything was the ethos of the time. This was an era of, like, the people I grew up with were the biggest smart asses in the world, you know? There was a guy when I was growing up that went by the legend. <laughs> like the amount of that he took 
the, the trash talking was just epic. And one time he said, hey man, I've been called that my entire life. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that kind of undercuts the meaning of legend. <laughs> like there was an 11 year old that went by the legend. Like, how do you, how do you get that handle? Like, did, you know, do you call him Mr. Legend? Does he go by just the? Yeah, that's the type of, uh, it was it was Darwinian in terms of you had to survive by the list. <laughs> So uh, 1979 and rolling in Cal State Fullerton, it was close by, uh, I could afford it. I always liked writing. I gravitated towards communications and I was really into um, chasing girls and uh, leading uh, a hedonistic, indulgent lifestyle. So I kind of majored in partying at first, but then I got serious later when I realized that, oh, this information thing's really fun too. I was kind of viewed like education as uh, it's really the ultimate cure to boredom. People are too bored in school. I was always turned on by school because uh, I'm curious about everything. The phrase, wow, that's effing trippy in my brain, run, run, runs through my brain like a hundred times a day. Sometimes it gets on a loose, wow, that's effing trippy. The serious answer is I view journalism and writing as uh, license to exercise my insatiable curiosity about life. Starting a writing career is not like you land a job, you know, you kind of have to fight your way into it. So I did all sorts of different writing tasks. Um, I, I mean, I worked at like, you know, the loading dock at Mervyn's was my first job out of college. <laughs> but I, I uh, my first articles were I had published in 1985 in Orange Coast magazine. I, I wrote my first article ever was about uh, geodesic dome homes, and uh, then I wrote an article about beer. The beginnings of the micro beer, uh, the micro beer thing, were back then, and I wrote a big article about that. And then I wrote for a bunch of other. Uh, whole bunch of other magazines that don't exist anymore and the, everything was changing because that's when you had the onset of personal computing you know when i first started at pool and spa news in 1989 just a few years after that they were still doing the layouts on paste-up boards with like exacto blades and rubber cement and it was there that the whole thing switched over to a computer network and so you know i've been kind of riding that development ever since I started working exclusively out of my home in 1995. And the whole company that I did with Jim McCloskey, everybody worked out of their home. And so we were kind of dealing with the early stages of email and transferring files and the beginnings of the internet and all that stuff. So, you know, telecommuting has evolved dramatically. But yeah, that was the that was the trailhead of the information age, right? You know, when all the it was really personal computing was starting to happen. And, and so that I, I started out working on a typewriter. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I would be terrified to do that now. You know, like, wow. Like, you mean that if I hit the button, it stays there permanently? Well, how long did it take to uh, transfer those files on a dial-up network? We actually would fax documents. When we first started, we would fax documents and then scan them on the other end. We didn't actually email word docs at first that changed pretty quickly because the the obvious lameness of that <laughs> but i mean you know and then 
you know, we used to like mail CDs with images, you know, then FTP uh, websites became available and that turned into Sharefile <laughs> and Dropbox and all that stuff. So yeah, but the old dial-up days, you know, that was, <laughs> that was interesting and, and it, things did move more slowly than they do now. I have been the guy that goes out into the world and feeds the beast. I was editor of Water Shapes from the very first issue through the very last print issue. Then we did another magazine for a while called Land Shapes, but I was always the content guy. You know, I that was what I was doing at Pulse Spa News. I was a content generator. I'm a go. I'm a guy that goes out into the world and does what it takes to find the story. As the editor, I plan the content for Watershapes, you know, working hand in hand with Jim. But he gave me a lot of uh, free reign in terms of, uh, you know, topics and people that we were working with. The, the print years of Watershapes were really wonderful because we really were doing something truly different. You know, half of our readership has always been landscape architects. We have as much in that side of the water shaping industry as as the pool side. I think right now, more than half our readers are landscape architects. So, you know, kind of trying to fuse that, create that giant Venn diagram uh, really was my job. I do have lots of humorous ways that I describe what I do for a living. You ever see a Little Shop of Horrors? Oh yeah. The movie or the play? All right, so the premise is there's this giant flesh-eating plant, right? Audrey. And the Rick Moranis character, the caretaker, has to feed Audrey fresh meat. Otherwise, it's going to eat him and his girlfriend. Well, these magazines are Audrey. And I'm the Rick Moranis guy constantly feeding it. Otherwise, I will be consumed by it. So it's a constant state of desperation. It's a, There's all these analogies. Sometimes it's like you work with all these people in the trade that aren't professional communicators. And they have all these little treasures. And so they didn't want to come out and expose. So I was like, have to go like, like get them to come out of their burrow. And so that they would share their treasures with the world. So it's, it's, I, I lead a psycho existence, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> From what we've been doing with these podcasts and the videos before, it's tough to create content that's interesting, that people want to hear about or see, you know, not everyone's a winner. You know, sometimes there's some some duds in there, so I I applaud you for what you do. Well, that I really appreciate that, and um, yeah, content generation is challenging. Some people are cut out for it, then others aren't. You know? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm not. You guys are doing a great job, right? You know, and I applaud you for what you're doing. You know, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of places to put stories. So I'm competing against a lot of other people that want the stories that are out there. That makes it tougher as well. And you know, in this business, it's what have you done for me lately? It doesn't matter that I've done 30 years of writing for this industry. What's the next story? And that's that blank page. Thing. You know, anytime you talk to somebody about how they make a living and are fully present with them, which is a very Zen kind of thing, mindfulness, there's all this interest that comes up. You know, so most people that are engaged in their line of work on some level, can tell a story about it. There's usually gonna be something that qualifies as a technical aspect of that, practical aspect of it, logistical, organizational. 
all of that stuff is expressed through the way somebody does it. It's a sad person that can't tell a story about how they spend their working days. <laughs> One of my most biggest influences was a, uh, a food writer by the name of uh, MFK Fisher. She would explain uh, how to make these great dishes, but it would always be in context of her travels, where she was and the people she was with and why they were using the ingredients they used. And so it was beyond just writing about food, it was about writing all this whole experiential stuff that surrounds it. She was a really fabulous writer she was writing in the first person and sharing her experiences as much as she was telling you how to fry an oyster. You know, one, one of the aspects of what I've done is most of the stuff in water shapes and a lot of stuff I did in aqua, it's, it's in the first person. Uh, the vast majority of work I've done is appears under bylines by people in the industry, which means it's not a secret anymore that I ghostwrite a lot of these things. But it's always in the I, the first person, the I, the we. And I've always really liked that style of writing because it's sort of from the horse's mouth. I'm less a fan of like third person reportage, you know, where you have by Eric Herman and I'm quoting five people, you know, moving in and out of different quotes. And I like putting other people forward, helping them tell their stories and being behind the scenes. I find that the most gratifying mode of operation. And so I've kind of had a hand in elevating the profile of a number of people in the industry over the years. Kind of been a star maker. <laughs> well, tell me your tell me your first person narrative of going back to water shapes, working with your son, getting the look and feel of the whole operation up to today's standards. What is yeah, that? Yeah, that's that's it's been amazing. First of all, thank you for mentioning my son, Brett Herman. We had a need in Watershape University for somebody with a really particular skill set, uh, somebody who was really digitally savvy, technically savvy, had an education background, and oh boy, it wouldn't hurt if they had a water background. As it turns out, my son has a background in online education. He's also a former water polo player and swim instructor, teaches little babies how to be safe in the water, and being of his generation is technically savvy. So I was like, oh man, you know, Brett would actually be a good fit. And about a month later, I get this email saying, oh, by the way, we hired Brett Herman today. <laughs> so I've been working with my son since last August. That's been fantastic. And I was very happy in uh, Aqua. And in the same month last year, the end of February, we moved from Western Washington State to Palm Springs. And at that exact time, I switched jobs. And I'm all like toiling by myself, having to learn all this new stuff. I'm completely insecure and feeling old and stupid. And uh, and all the people around me are so smart, you know. So Paul, I was really, really happy to be back doing water shapes and having complete creative control over it. It was also really, really hard. So I've had to learn a lot of new tricks over the last year and a half and so far so good while you were with aqua you work with scott webb yeah great and uh we interviewed him before we've known him for a few years great guy he uh i talked i talked to him this morning he was curious if you had finished your book about people who are turning into their dogs <laughs> uh.
Oh man, I needed to shut up when I talk to people sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I have a bunch of unfinished stories. The answer is no, I have not finished that story. It was called The Dog People of Capitola, and I was writing about these neighbors that I was convinced were like these wizard people that were transmortifying humans into dogs. And for about a year, it seemed like a really good idea. And then um, these guys were actual uh, chimney sweeps. Wow. That were doing the Jerry Garcia thing. Yeah, and they hated my guts. And um, I don't know why. I'm really nice. But they didn't like me. And um, so I wanted to, yeah. So, wow, Scott really remembered that. You know, Scott's one of my best friends. I love Scott. I, and the folks at Aqua, um, they were so nice to me. It was really a tough decision to leave there. I had a good thing going there, you know. Shanga Hagen, the publisher, the whole staff, uh, they're like family to me, too. And that's one of the great joys is that I've worked with just the best people. And I, I still do some writing for Aqua. I kind of a guest blogger every once in a while. One of the things I've done was I used to do like music journalism, did it professionally. I wrote for rock reviews and went to shows and stuff, mostly in LA. When I was five years old and my aunt would babysit me in the afternoon, she discovered that the only way to shut me up was to play music. And so in the early 60s, I was rocking out to the Beatles and Johnny Rivers and Sam Cooke and James Brown and country music. and. So I've just been a music fanatic my whole life. And I love both the Grateful Dead and the Eagles. Probably a little closer to the Grateful Dead vibe. You know, the Eagles are a little corporate and I've been to quite a few dead shows. I wouldn't say I'm a dead head, but uh, you know, I've definitely gone into that realm extensively in the past and all that that entails. guy once that um, led these Bigfoot expeditions into the Olympic National Park. We lived right by the, the Olympic Mountains and he would take these camping trips. Like on TV up into the mountains and they'd go bang on wood. And, and so I said, okay, dude, you know, and so I was eating lunch next to him at this diner I used to go to and he would, because I would go seek out people because I was so lonely, right? So I'd be the weird guy say, hey, how are you? And he I said, come on. He's like, oh, I can tell you're cynical. I said, well, you know, everybody's got a camera in their pocket now and there's no evidence. I mean, he's all, no, we know why. Bigfoot is an intergalactic tourist that comes here through a breach in the space-time continuum a portal and is only here for very short periods of time and they're observing us and they don't like us i'm like no low contendere brother you know yeah all right you got that figured out uh i said you know interesting that you would know this and uh he goes hey man people believe in things they can't prove all the time <laughs> Bigfoot is gone! <laughs> As we're wrapping up here, how do we find out about Watershapes? Where do we go? Watershapes.com. Go to watershapes.com, takes you right to the homepage. If you're not already signed up for our 
uh, monthly editions, which a newsletter basically, uh, uh, a sign-up field will come up. Right there on the homepage, there's always nine articles. We rotate a lot from the past and present. Um, and so, yeah, watershapes.com, it's that simple. Go, go look at what I've been up to all, for half my life. <laughs> well, awesome. Eric, thank you for shaping the way we think about backyards and water <laughs> since, uh, I'm going to say since 1976. I'm going to go that far back. I'm sure you had something published then, maybe on a bathroom door. It's improved every year, and it's some of the best articles you'll read about backyard and water. And uh, thank you so much for joining well, us today. Well, thank you so much, you guys. This has been a real pleasure, and I appreciate you indulging this talk, all this stuff. I hope we can do it again. We'll talk more, Absolutely. About, we'll talk more about you guys next time. I want to interview you. Well, come out and see I'm us. I'm the interviewer here, man. Get, get out of the house once, sometimes and come come and see us. We'll be most of us will be in Dallas for the show. We'll be. I'll be in Dallas. I'll be in Dallas. We'll, we'll we we will embrace each other vigorously. Um, well, I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger, man. I'm fully vaxxed and I'm a hugger. Look out! All right, guys. Awesome. Rock on. Right. Thank Look, you. I hope we can do this again in some time. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right. Take care. Thanks, All right. Bye bye. Yeah. Take care. Unfiltered Legends is recorded using Squadcast and Zencaster. Our show is hosted by Podbean, edited on Adobe Premiere Pro with licensed music from Soundstripe. How do you like the show? We want to hear from you. Contact us at legend at havilandusa.com or leave us a message 616-365-9515. Unfiltered Legends is brought to you by Haviland Pool and Spa, creative pool chemistry since 1968.